For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. The title sponsor of our podcast is Peterson Toyota, who is the largest dealership in Northern Colorado, and they've been doing it for 50 years. Peterson's staff is top-notch. They put your needs first, and they have the best selection at the best prices. Their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. Keep an eye out for the 2022 Toyota Tundra, which rumor has it may be unveiled in late September. There have been a few small leaks online showing the cool new interior. It's going to be awesome. So if you're in the market for a truck, or any new or used vehicle, give Peterson Toyota first shot of your business. Enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to Ram Nation Radio. It is game week. The CC Ram season opener is this Friday at Canvas Stadium versus the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Who are the runners up in the FCS national championship game? They fell 23 21 to Sam Houston on a TD pass as the dagger with 16 seconds left. Uh, game was a, a great game. Uh, Jack Rabbits nearly pulled off winning the championship despite losing their starting quarterback early in that game. Uh, it wasn't like one of the first drives of the games. So uh, that that's a tough way to tough way to bow out, but uh, they're a very, very good team. This is definitely not a patsy. It's, I'm sure it's not the, the, opening tune-up that Joe Parker had in mind when he scheduled this game originally. Um, but uh, here we are, and I think uh, this is going to be a good test for CSU. Um, I'm sure South Dakota State plans to come in here and win. They probably expect to win. Um, so we'll ask uh, our guest today about that. Today we welcome in former CSU student media, media member and CTV reporter Zach Borg. Do you also write for the Collegian a little bit, Zach? Very little bit. And uh, I think you actually paid me more to write for Ram Nation back in the day than I ever got for the Collegian. So right. consider myself more of a Ram Nation writer. Right. So Zach, Zach Borg, uh, he also covered uh, the Rams for, for Ram Nation, like Zach just said, uh, back in what, 2005-ish, when we had a brief run as, as a, a subscription model. Uh, and we were producing a lot of original content. Those were fun days. Uh, but Zach has been in the news TV business since graduating in 2006-ish. Uh, with stops in Fargo, North Dakota, Missoula, Montana, Des Moines, Iowa, and now in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He was with KDLT-TV, which recently merged with another entity, and they are now Dakota News Now, right? That's Dakota News Now is who you work for? Yeah, uh, so we, we actually have, we, we're an ABC, and NBC, and a Fox, so you get all three in one. It's it's great. It's a, lot of, a lot of work, but... Uh, well, good, man. Well, we're looking for... Well, welcome to the modern you. era, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> How have, uh, how's, how's the business going? It's, the business goes pretty good. I mean, it's, it's changed a lot, even in, uh, and it's hard to believe now I've been in the business for about 15 years continuously. And I've also done some, I did a little freelance producing as well in, in Denver too. So I've kind of done some different things as well, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not, uh, if the CTV people in, in, uh, Fort Collins are watching this, my advice to them is don't expect to become a highly paid professional in this anytime soon but if you've got a passion for it it's still pretty fun and 
I mean, this is obviously the best time of the year when you get to football. In my opinion, it's, it's different in different places, but there's nothing quite like football season. Uh, Friday nights with, with the preps normally. I know we're going to have a college game, then it's college Saturdays, and certainly when we get to the NFL Sunday. So it's, it's really one of the best times of the year to be working in the, in the sports broadcasting industry, especially on a local level. What's uh, of those stops that I just mentioned early in your career here? So, how, how, where have you like living the most? Ah, uh, wow. I gotta say, I, I wish I'd stayed longer in Missoula. Uh, I wasn't there. I, I had an opportunity in Des Moines that I, I thought was gonna be really good and ended up not being for me. But Missoula was really fun. I mean, it, it's like living on it's a lot like Colorado. So, that was really cool. Um, Fargo was, was, is an underrated town and I stayed there for about four years. Um, I knew I was never going to live there because the winters are hell. I mean, you've never, you know, you, nowadays when I get, I mean, when I lived through a couple winters where the highs were 10 below for a month, you know, every, anytime it hits 30, now I wear my shorts and people look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, no, I lived in Fargo, man. It, cold ain't cold anymore. So uh, in Sioux Falls, I've, I've settled in a little more. I've gotten married. Uh, just kind of a nice, it's kind of a nice in-between pace. You got a little, I, I was born originally in Des Moines too. So and lived there for a little bit before we moved to Colorado when I was nine. So I kind of, that's a little bit of both worlds. Uh, you know, I miss the mountains and I miss a lot of stuff about Fort Collins, obviously. But unfortunately, the, the, the TV stations never really took root and it's all based out of Denver now, which... That's an, that's also kind of unfortunate, I think, for CSU because a lot of you look at the how big Fort Collins and Loveland has gotten, and that whole area. I guess you can throw Greeley into it's big enough to where it could be its own TV market, but it just it gets swallowed up by Denver, and that probably hurts Fort Collins and CSU, and you know even Northern Colorado, even the high schools up there because they don't get you know Denver's not going to get up that often to cover them, and of course Denver's a Broncos town, so right. Well, hey, um, what's the optimism looking like? I'm sure, sure there's a lot. What they're, uh, The Jackrabbits are ranked pre- third in the preseason, so obviously coming off of a championship game appearance. Uh, got a lot of returning guys. Um, what's, uh, what's the feeling in, I guess, Brookings? And how far is Brookings from where you are? Brookings is about 45 to 50 minutes north. It, kind of a similar trip to if you were going from Denver to Fort Collins, obviously – far less traffic. Uh, yeah. uh, the expectations for South Dakota state have never been higher. Uh, this program, it, they've been in division one. Now uh, I want to say about, they actually moved up to division one. I, I think my last year of school and they've kind of progressively been, been getting better. I think people who know them know that they're in the league with North Dakota state. So it's obviously, and it's the Missouri Valley itself with Illinois state, um, Northern Iowa is one of the best conferences in the league is probably the best conference in the FCS. It got, it gets about five teams in the playoffs every year and they progressively gotten better. Uh, they've made the playoffs. I believe it's 10 straight times now and they've kind of gone on a run from being, okay, we're, a, we're a good team that can get to the playoffs, maybe win a game to now we're a team that can advance to the quarterfinals, then the semifinals. And last year they finally got over the hump of getting to the championship game. And as you mentioned, it. uh, Came up about 16 seconds short in that one. So the optimism level is very high. Uh, this is a team that if you look at the way they recruit, the way they built their team, they, they match up with a lot of FBS teams. And 
as confident as I, you know, I, I took a peek at the, the message board and as confident as I see some people are for CSU, uh, South Dakota State's coming in here planning to win this football game. And um, I think they have legitimate reason to believe they will. So was the, uh, the quarterback, Ma, uh, Mark Gronowski, did, was yeah. that an ACL tear? Is that, it seems like they were so. very, they, they've, kind of, they've been kind over. of, they've been kind of foggy about that. They just said it's a leg injury. Uh, I don't know if that's their Bill Belichick kind of way of doing things, but um, that was disappointing. He was a, a heck of a player. The reason he actually started, he was a true freshman. And of course, for people who don't know, SDSU played in the spring because most of the FCS season was held in the spring. Some teams played a little in the fall, but he was a true freshman. And it was kind of a shock when he was named quarterback because they had a previous starter by the name of uh, Jabore Gibbs, who looked good the year before, had also torn his ACL. And they had another kid by the name of Keaton Heidi, who was a, who both played in 2019. So the thought was one of those two guys would emerge. And this Gronowski kid kind of came out of nowhere in camp. It was just terrific. I mean, he was the player of the year in the conference as a fresh, as a true freshman. And I think the only other one to do that in the Missouri Valley is a guy named Trey Lance. So, you know, obviously good company there. Uh, could run, had a big arm. But I think on like the third or fourth play of the title game, his knee got rolled up on. And I, I think that's what we think it is, is an ACL. And uh, he was out for that game, tried to give it a go, but didn't. And, um, they, they, you know, the fact they still nearly won that game without him is, frankly, a little shocking. Because I think when a, lot, a lot of people thought they were probably toast at that point. So, um, do you know much about the, uh, this, this, the guy that they're basically named the starter, this Chris Aladdin? Dokin uh, yep. was the former starter at South Florida and Sanford. So he's got a lot of experience. He's yeah. A, a I mean, it, yeah. Grad transfer and a sixth year one at that too. Part of that's because of the fact that everybody gets that extra year now with COVID. Uh, I, this is the, it's the third straight year. They've put a new starter in. He's a good size guy. I mean, he was a three or a four star recruit coming out of college. I think he might've actually been one of Scott Frost's. Uh, last or, or well, no, I'm thinking of South Florida. I was thinking of Central Florida. No, he was um, he had a pretty decent career at Samford. He's a mobile guy. I think that's kind of what helped him beat out uh, the, the returning guy, Keaton Heidi. He's the way that SDSU has played over the last six years. They like to have a quarterback who can run outside of the pocket and make those kind of plays. And this is a guy who can do that. He's uh, talking to him the few times I have, obviously we haven't seen him play yet. All we've seen were videos of Samford. Uh, he's just a very smart, cool, level-headed kid. And he even kind of refers to himself as grandpa because that's what he is, the six-year guy. And the other half of it is with South Dakota State, as important as that quarterback position is, they've got everybody else back. They've got two, potentially two All-American running backs and they got a transfer receiver who logged some legitimate minutes at Oklahoma State. So it's one of those things where it's like they, it, the, as long as the quarterback doesn't screw it up, they, they've got plenty of weapons to work with. And if the quarterback is all conference or all world, then they're really set. So, Zach, uh, you just you just hinted at a, a couple positions as far as a running back and receiver. So who are these returning players that we should be looking out for? And, and are there any newcomers uh, for us to keep an eye on? Well, I, I think it's probably going to start with the running game for South Dakota State. That's what they really want to do. Pierre Strong Jr. is a senior. 
Uh, he, I believe, was preseason All-American. He's He was phenomenal. He's been a bit dinged. He was a bit dinged up over the last two seasons. In 2019, he suffered a knee injury about eight games in and missed the rest of that year. Really quick, really explosive, uh, kind of one-cut-and-gone type guy. But the funny thing is and that he may not even be the best running back on the team, and we say he's an All-American in the FCS – they have a kid by the name of Isaiah Davis, who was another true freshman who came in last year. He was the Missouri prep Gatorade football player of the year. So, you know, I mean, we didn't really know much about him last year because we kind of expected Strong to be the one to carry the load. Well, Strong got a little hurt. Uh, we first saw this kid against Southern Illinois in a regular season game. He ran for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns. So they started working him in a little more. And if you watch, you go back to that FCS title game, he had, you know, look up the 85-yard touchdown run that puts South Dakota State ahead late in the fourth quarter, and he looks like Marshawn Lynch in, in the beast mode run. Uh, he might be better just because he's a little more of a downhill. He's still got some speed, but he's going to want to run you over and truck you. So they've got, I mean, two really, you're talking potentially two All-American running backs right there. They've got a pretty big offensive line. They run 300 to 315. Along that front, uh, the last time they played an FBS game, most of these guys were on that team. They played Minnesota, who won 11 games in 2019, and they outgained them in that game. And, and frankly, they should have won that game. They kind of gave it away on a turnover late. But um, the transfer, I haven't really seen much of him. My name is his name's Wolf. I, I, I want to have to look it up here real quick. It's, I believe it's Landon Wolf from Oklahoma State, and he logged legitimate minutes. It wasn't just a guy who you know, rode the pine all the time and then decided to transfer. So he's kind of another weapon. I think they're – because their receiving core was all right a year ago, but, you know, they've had some really good ones coming through there the last few years, whether it was Dallas Goddard, who's now with the Eagles, was a second-round pick. Uh, Jake Winicky was an All-American. They've had some – they haven't necessarily had that kind of receiver, and this Wolf guy could potentially be uh, one of those game-changers for them on offense – and kind of like CSU with McBride, they've got a pretty good collection of tight ends. Zach Hines is a, I think he's about six, seven kid. He's been ding again, another guy who's kind of dealt with some injuries, but when he's healthy, he looks like a prospect who could be a NFL type player. So like I said, they've got, and, and they only lost really one player on the defensive side other than the injuries to their quarterbacks. So it, it's really a team that has everything in place to where they just need competent quarterback play. That sounds familiar. Um, yeah. <laughs> so having covered CSU during undergrad and SDSU the last few years, um, behind the scenes, what, what's kind of the difference between an FBS and an FCS program? Well, I think it, it – it qualifies here in one like like the FBS. There are teams that are have-nots, and there are teams that have a lot. And there are some. There, there's a certain amount of programs in the FCS that are very serious about their football. Uh, they invest in it. They put money into their facilities. They want to be competitive. And there are other programs which I'm sure you know. The, the first one I'll bring up is Savannah State, uh, who you saw a couple of years ago. There are programs that should probably be just in Division Two. I think that's the common thing fans always think of is, oh, this is a Division II team coming in here. That's not really the case. When you have the upper-level teams that are ranked consistently in the top 10, making deep playoff runs like 
South Dakota State, which is what they've become, James Madison, North Dakota State, uh, Eastern Washington. These are programs that are serious, and they've got a lot of guys. They bring in – they've got a lot of decent D1 transfers, or they're bringing in guys who were on the fringes of going to an FBS conference. Maybe, you know, for example, maybe South Dakota State offers somebody a scholarship in full that maybe – a Colorado state says, well, we're going to gray shirt you or we'll give you a partial. It's not like the difference between division one FBS and division two is dramatic. When you're going from one, from what really I'll call it, go back to old school and call it one A and one double A. It's not that big of a difference. And especially when you look over the last decade or so, the gap we're seeing, we've seen more and more FCS teams beating FBS teams. Now it shouldn't happen when you're talking about like the, the Clemsons and the Alabamas, they're going to roll through everybody, but it's, I mean, usually I think between 2012 and 18, there were seven or more FCS teams that won FBS games. In fact, in 2013, there was like 16. And a lot of those games come against, you know, not surprisingly mountain West Mac Sunbelt, AAC, and occasionally you see the kind of the lower end power five teams like a Kansas or CU or uh, whatnot, they will lose those games too. So, you know, but South Dakota State, like, I'll give you an example. One of the big reasons they've gotten so much better is they built a multi million dollar new stadium on their campus. It's 19,000 seats. It's called Dana J. Dykow Stadium. I think some of the people who worked with CSU on their stadium collaborate on this. I mean, they had a 56-year-old facility that made War Memorial up in Laramie look modern, and they got a big donation and built a new stadium. They have an indoor practice facility next to it, which seems kind of wild for an FCS school to have that. Now, is, uh, so, it, is it more than 70 yards? Ah, uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> There's a good point. I don't know if it's more than 70 or 80. That's... Uh, they slimmed it down a little bit, so I guess you're not that serious if you're not going the full hundred. But um, well, that's what no, we, I, have. we have a seventy yarder. <laughs> you know, I I don't know how many hundred yard, eighty yard plays you drop in the playbook that you need to practice. I've always kind of found that one a little silly, but um, no, it's interesting. Like I said, those top level programs in the FCS, like a South Dakota State, like an NDSU, they're building the facilities, and honestly, when you look at them. I don't think you would see much difference between them and a lot of, a lot of the group of five conference teams. Like I know in North Dakota state, for example, could go in and probably win the Mac or would place probably pretty well in the mountain West. And I, I feel the same way about SDSU. They've kind of, they've kind of, it's, what's that saying about the rising tide floats all boats. They've, they've gotten in the arms race. And, you know, if, if we ever do come to a point where, the group of five drops back to the kind of merge in with some FCS teams. They'd probably be one that would think about it. We've mentioned North Dakota state a few times and they've kind of been the gold standard of that division for a long period of time. How do you compare these two programs, South Dakota state and North Dakota state? Are they rivals as well? Yeah. uh, It it was interesting because they transitioned up to division one together. Uh, It was about 20, 2003. And that was despite the fact that, and to be fair, South Dakota State, before they made the jump to Division One, was not really a good football school. They had made the – they'd been in Division Two in the old North Central Conference, which is where Northern Colorado was when in their glory years. Uh, for their existence, they'd made the playoffs one time in Division Two. That's Part of that's due to how good Division 
two was. But when they made, they jumped up with North Dakota State together. They kind of formed a rivalry game. It's called the Dakota Marker game. They play for a, a big uh, chunk of rock, which is essentially a replica of what the markers were that they used to put at the borders. It was kind of a manufactured game at first because both teams kind of jumped to Division One without their main rivals, which was at, for North Dakota. That was that was North Dakota State. It was North Dakota, and South Dakota State had South Dakota. Their rivals, for whatever reason, at that time didn't think going to Division One would work, uh, which kind of came back to bite both of them in the butt a few years later. So it became a rivalry. Uh, North Dakota State is in a little better position uh, because they're based in Fargo, which is, I believe, it's the largest city in North Dakota. There's not that many cities in North Dakota. <laughs> so the Bison are kind of in a more advantageous point there, whereas Brookings, you've got a 19,000-seat stadium in a town that's only about 20,000. They certainly draw from Sioux Falls a lot, but it's a, it's a little bit more of a, a tougher situation. But South Dakota State's been very competitive with them. They kind of went through a stretch around the time the Bison were getting really good in 2011 through 14, 15, where they struggled to beat them, lost a couple of close games. But now it's gotten to the point where I think the last six meetings, they're three and three against them. And last year they went into Fargo, won the conference title and, and beat them pretty handily. But I mean, they ran for almost 400 yards against North Dakota State, who, as we know, they've had this great string of beating FBS teams, including – uh, CSU back in 2012. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm consider me jealous of the South Dakota state program. I mean, football wise, um, basketball wise, I think, what do you have five Yeah, four? basketball? I mean, they've had a historically basketball. They've been a basketball school. That's kind of been the surprise with, with this transition was they knew they have good division one basketball programs. Their men's program has been very good. I'm sure. The name Mike Dom probably stands out because he was the eighth all-time leading scorer. Nate Walters, they've made a lot of NCAA tournament trips. They have the Summit League tournament for the conference they're in in Sioux Falls, and that routinely draws ten or 11,000 fans from SDSU. Kind of becomes a, becomes a party down here, essentially. And their women's basketball program has been even better. Their, their women's program has been in the NCAA tournament, I think, 10 out of 11, 10 out of 12 years, and they made the Sweet 16 uh, just – in 2019. So yeah, the basketball program has been really good, but the football just kind of football kind of came out of nowhere. And I think for CSU fans who are doing a deep cut, they kind of have a sim, a guy very similar to Sonny Lubick leading them in John Stigelmeyer, who's the head coach of football at SDSU. Uh, he's an SDSU alum. He's, this is his 25th season, I believe as head coach. He was also there as an assistant and kind of an older guy. He's got a pretty good assistant staff too. So, I mean, as you know, head coaches anymore are like more like CEOs, but he's very similar to. It's one of the reasons I really like working with him. He's very he's he's the closest I've had to Sonny Loop to working with another Sonny Lubick. He, not there is only one, as we all know. There's only one Sonny Lubick, but John Stigelmeyer is pretty darn close. And he's you know I I know for a fact that when he started as a head coach, he kind of visited a little bit with Sonny and Larry Kerr. And some of those guys in the mid '90s. So there's there there are little hints and in, in little small connections between the programs, even though this will be the first time they've ever met in football. Does uh, does South Dakota State how's their fan support? Will we see many many fans in at Canvas Stadium this Friday? 
I'm not really sure. It's not like North Dakota State. Not I mean, like those they people, brought in thousands of people wearing. No. At least they, oh, were, hopefully, at least they were wearing green, you know, yeah. if they blended in. Well, it, it, fan support's been an interesting thing. They've, like I said, sometimes they've struggled with attendance up in Brookings. And part of that's just because it's a smaller town and your, your major cities are, you know, are a little more up for grabs. I get the feeling there'll be a pretty decent section. I've, I've heard good things. I don't think it's not going to be two or three. You know, I think that game at Hughes Stadium, you had NDSU had about a quarter of the stadium filled. Uh, but I think there'll be a good student sec. I think there'll be student section. I think there'll be a good section of SDSU fans. I, I would expect at least a thousand. Uh, I, that's maybe my ballpark guess. But the other half of it is too that last year attendance was limited. Uh, for all the season in Brookings. I, I think it was only about 25% or it was 25 to 50% for most of the season. And the excitement for the team in that spring, because they made the championship run, they had home field throughout the playoffs. Uh, the excitement level really rose. I think people finally kind of started to get a little bit of an idea of, okay, this, this team's a little more legitimate because they, again, up until about 2016, they'd, never really had many home playoff games. They weren't a division, a championship contender. And now I think people are kind of starting to get a little more on the train with this and be like, okay, you know, maybe this is worth following around a little more. I mean, when they went to Frisco, um, it was, they packed that place and we didn't really know how that was going to work, especially in COVID times. So, and you know, then there's the other unknown too. I mean, I, I can't blame anyone for not traveling if there's still a little, Ovid Leary, even if they have, whether they have a vaccine or not. Yeah. We mentioned this coach. So I, I, I fully admit, I haven't seen a lot of South Dakota state football, but I don't blame watch, you there. <laughs> I did watch part of that, that, uh, that championship game. And um, what kind of offense uh, you've talked about some of the players, what kind of offense, what style of offense should we expect? Are they a run first kind of team? Uh, will it change with this new quarterback they've named? Is he, is he more of a dual threat guy? He's more of a dual threat guy, although Gronowski was too. They've uh, the one thing Stiglmeyer's really done well is he's adapted well to the personality of his teams and, and to his. He's kind of let his offensive coordinators run the show. I mean, they've had you know you, I can go back three four years ago when they had Dallas Goddard and they were a high flying aerial team that wanted to throw the ball down the field, and then they got running backs who were really good. A few years before that, they had Zach Zenner who played in the NFL and they liked to run a lot there. But they've really progressed to being the more dual threat team. Like I said, the re a reason their transfer, I think, won the job is because he is capable of making uh, some plays with his feet, whereas the other guy wasn't so much. So I, I, they will be run first, but they're going to want they'll they'll pull uh, no pun intended here. They'll pull a few rabbits out of the hat. They'll try and run some trick plays and they'll do some things. Usually, I see it once every game, at least if it's a game that's you know meaningful. If it's not. If, you know, a game they're, you know, when they're playing a Division II team at home, they're not going to throw the whole playbook out there for their conference teams to see. But they'll try and throw some tricky stuff in there. Um, I'm curious to see what this transfer from Oklahoma State is going to add to them because their passing game was all right a year ago, but they didn't really have that vertical threat who was a burner who could just get downfield. Um, but, yeah, it'll be this will be a run-first team. And with their offensive line being as physical as it is, uh, that's the way they want it. They, their identity has kind of gone from being almost a spread to now they're kind of a little bit of a hybrid, but now they want to be a little more of a power team because that's kind of the personnel they have. That'll be interesting because it'll be kind of a strength versus strength. I mean, CSU's yeah. defensive line is is one of the 
the strengths of this team and and they were pretty stout the, the best they've been against the run in a long time i think mike do you remember what they were what they finished last year against the run like 19th in the country or something like that it was yeah. it was it was really good so it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure so yeah i think i mean i looked at i was looking at some of the i haven't seen the full depth charts out yet but i mean when you look at the and the offensive line for south dakota state they call them the 605 hogs which is the area code around here um they've I mean, again, they run big. This is not a, it's not your typical FCS line when you've got guys who are 300 to 315 and they've gone in and gone toe to toe with Big Ten lines. So it, it will be a strength versus strength there. And I think a lot of it will come down to how both quarterbacks play, certainly, because they're kind of, uh, I think those are the two guys that have got to kind of make some things happen a little bit because I would, I think South Dakota State will still be able to run. But with CSU's run defense, I do think they're going to present a challenge to them because of that front front line that you mentioned. One area that South Dakota State has really gained a lot of ground on North Dakota State is along the lines. That's what NDSU's identity, I think SDSU kind of figured out because they had great skill players from 2012 to 15. They had guys who were in the NFL, but they would get worn down by the Bison every single time, some of them in the playoffs. So they really recruited hard training programs they've got a lot of depth they run about 10 deep on their defensive line and they're not they're not small guys they run about 245 to 285 I think there's one 300 pound guy if they go there they sub in and out a lot of the defensive line so they've gotten that is really where they've made the jump to being a good team that can win a playoff game to now they're a national title contender that can can hang with it NDSU is they're physical and deep along their offensive and defensive lines. And that's part of the reason that over the last five years, they consistently also played better against FBS teams too. That's how they hang with a Minnesota and are in the, in it in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, they beat Kansas in 2015. I know nobody counts that, but it's still a big 12 team. Uh, they played TCU really well in 2016, but that was, and that was like a 59 to 42 game, but it was, the, the, that was a ranked TCU team at the time. And certainly Ram fans, I know will remember how tough that team used to be uh, when they were in the mountain West. So that's, that's the underrated thing about this for SDSU, especially if they win, it's, I have a feeling it'll be because their defensive line is able to match up pretty well with South Dakota, with Colorado state's line. So I, I got to apologize. I need to jump off my, uh, Third graders are getting ready to come to class. So, Zach, great chatting with you. I'll let you and Joel finish this up. Yeah, thank you. I, I just had my first son uh, this past year, so I'm starting to understand now all this stuff about having kids. Just just turned one year one year last week, right? Yeah, and this will be his first college football game I'm bringing him to. So That's awesome. Enjoy. Maybe we'll run into each other on Friday. Definitely. Thank you. So, Zach, um, this has been a really weird year with South Dakota state and the FCS having their playoffs just this past spring where they finish in May, May, middle of May. I middle mean, it May. really doesn't oh. feel like there, it doesn't feel like there's been a break. I, I, the first day of practice for SDSU was the last week in July. And I mean, every, to a man, every one of the players up to said, it just feels like another game week. We yeah. really haven't had a stop. Yeah, so curious about that. I mean, have you have they talked about that much? And um, you know, what is it like for a program that 
we've never seen this before where you play 10 games and then four months later, you're playing another full season. Is the, has coach said anything about that? Well, they feel like they, for one thing, they're very happy to have it back in the fall. I know there were some people kind of suggesting maybe FCS should move to spring and, and nobody really liked that. Um, I know that during the spring, they did kind of try and modify their practices. So they weren't doing as much contact stuff. Uh, and it showed because, up until that championship game, they didn't really have a lot of injury issues last year. They were, and part of that too is because they also had some games that got canceled because other teams had COVID issues. Um, they really didn't have a lot of injury issues uh, up until Gronowski got hurt and then his backup had gotten hurt. So ironically, their two biggest injuries did kind of come back to bite them. But, uh, you know, I think the feeling is, you know, they're, these are young athletes who are in the primes of their lives. I think they feel like, you know, we're going to be, you know, they don't, they don't really feel like that is going to have too much of an effect, but it remains to be seen. Uh, you know, I mean, we're just not, I don't think we're really going to know with them until we start hitting middle of the season in October. That's when I would maybe start to say, wonder, okay, are we going to start to see if they are getting fatigued from having played so much since going back to February? But they had a lot of games canceled last year, so they were actually as – that was one of the things that actually worked in their advantage last year is they were as healthy as they'd ever been because – in part because they'd had four games that had been postponed. And in other years, 2019, they kind of fell apart. They had a – in 2019, college game day actually went up to Brookings when they played NDSU, and it was a – you know, obviously it was a big moment for the school, and they were – it was one versus three. They were both undefeated in the FCS, and in that game, their starting quarterback blew out his knee. So that kind of, and then the next week they lost their all American running back strong. So that kind of derailed what could have been a championship season in 2019. So they were very healthy last year. Uh, obviously the Gronowski thing is hung over them. Uh, I think they're pretty confident and, and maybe it gives them an advantage too. the fact that they've played so much, whereas CSU was so weird. They only got four games. in. I, I agree. And I'm leaning towards your, sentiment on this that if there's a fatigue issue you wouldn't really probably notice it till later in the year so this first game I think the the biggest thing there was probably more of a benefit to South Dakota State to having played more recently CSU's played four games in 19 20 months 21 months whatever it's been and and uh, uh, South Dakota State has played 10 in the last six months I will say on the I'll say on the flip side though one thing that maybe works in CSU's advantage is you've got more tape on South Dakota state. Like you, obviously again, you don't know about the quarterback as much, but there's video of him out there. Uh, you, I mean, South Dakota state put 10 games on tape and they just played. And like I said, they've got pretty much their entire team back. Um, you know, if you're South Dakota state, I, I don't know what you have to look. I don't know that you can look at those four games and, and glean that much out of them. Cause it was just such a weird discombobulated year. And it's a first-year head coach. It was, you know, first year under a new head coach. Um, I think the one thing that maybe I'm sure that gets the coaching staff's attention because they've been there so long was the Wyoming game because Craig Bowl used to be the North Dakota State coach. And I'm sure there are members of that staff at Wyoming that were still there that they, that they knew from when they were at NDSU. So they certainly, I know, would have respect for what Craig does at Wyoming, and they probably looked at that CSU Wyoming tape and I'm sure they can kind of use that and say hey here's the ex-NDSU guy they run the same stuff and look what CSU did to them a year ago so 
But from that point, I, from that standpoint, I, I think it's maybe a little tougher for SDSU to scout this game just because they don't. There's so much uncertainty. You just don't know what what CSU really has because they didn't commit much to tape. Really, really good point. What's um? So how much have you paid attention to CSU in recent years, and and what do you think is the the external impression of the program? I mean, we don't even need to go back to how bad it was under the previous regime, but you know, when you look at where CSU is now, is it still a mystery since you really didn't see a whole lot under Adazio's first year or what? Well, yeah, from Adazio. Yeah. I think it's still a big mystery. Um, Offensively. I'm not speaking for SDSU here. Offensively. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do because I know Adazio wants to run the football. I think he, I think in his best year at Boston college, they were like ranked sixth in the country, but they didn't run the ball well last year. And the quarterback position for us, I think CSU is a bit of a, how, how do you pronounce that guy's name? Centeo or? Toddy Centeo. Yep. Okay. I mean, he played at 10. I mean, that, that's kind of what interests me about this game is that you've got two transfer quarterbacks who have quite a bit of experience. You just don't really know a whole lot about them right now because they haven't necessarily played a ton in the last two years. Yeah. I, for CSU, especially compared to when I got out of school, the facility, I mean, the way the campus has expanded, the facilities, and the fact I'm not doing this at Hughes Stadium is, is enough to tell me how light years different that is compared to when I left in 2006. But, you know, the same at the same time, when I read a lot of magazines and when I, when I do follow them, and, I, you know, I, I still care. I'm not quite as invested as I was when I was a frequent on the message board and when I lived in Colorado. I, one of the, I, it just feels like, They've got everything in place, yet they just can't find the right leadership, tone, whatever to take off. Because they abs- with what they put in place, I mean, my God, if Sonny Lubick had had a new stadium and indoor practice facility when he got that program rolling, they, they never would have stopped. I mean, that was, that was one of the things that, I mean, I think Sonny was begging for those type of things. And they finally got him, and it just has not... They haven't put the right product on the field, for lack of a better word. So, and I, I've heard some other things too that maybe there's a lack of discipline. Whether that's goes to the culture of the program, I don't know. I'm not as closely connected, but I think that's kind of one of the external opinions. Is just there's so much. There's the, the materials are there. They just haven't been able to build with it. Yeah, I mean you're you're right on. It's um, the culture wasn't great the physicality of the football team, the fit, the team was not tough the last several years. And yeah. I think those are the, the, the earmarks that, that the current staff is trying to mend. The question is how fast can you change those things? It's not, you can't change a culture yeah. overnight. You can't uh, make a team tough overnight. Um, but I think, you know, they've had, they had, they've had two spring camps well, partial one last year and, They've had two fall camps now under this staff. They've had four actual games. So, you know, you'd like to see some, 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 some progress there and some significant progress. And I think as good as Sandy uh, South Dakota state is, and the fact that there probably wouldn't be a lot of shame in, in a lot of FC, FBS teams losing to a team like that. This is not one that CSU can afford to drop um, as you start really kind of a full football season under Adazio where they're trying to change culture. They're trying to, yeah, especially look hands back, especially on looking at their schedule. I mean, they've got Vander, you know, you, you bring in an S granted Vanderbilt is bottom of the sec, but it's still an sec program. 
Then you're going to Toledo, who's a very good team out of the MAC. That's a very tough place to win. Iowa speaks for itself, and I, having worked around there, I would say I recommend any Ram fan go to Kinnick Stadium because that that's a terrific experience there. And they even since I left, they added that fan wave, which is pretty. It kind of gives you chills. I'm gonna. So be yeah, there. I mean, yeah, from a standpoint of yeah, this would be a really rough game for CSU to drop, considering how tough things will get for them after this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you almost have to look at this as Adazio's first year. You really do. Cause last year was so disjointed. I just, I almost, I almost throw that out as a fan. Yep. There's a lot of things that were working against them, but there was a lot of things that worked against a lot of teams, you know, and yeah. they didn't go you know, at the end of the day, one and one and three is one and three. Right. So uh, they four games and they won one of those. So it's uh, there's a lot to prove and a lot to, that we're hoping to see on Friday um, as far as some, some improvement in, in giving fans a reason to get excited, you know? So um, yeah, I guess um, the, the last couple questions here was what, uh, you know, looking back, Zach, what, uh, what were some of your favorite uh, memories of covering CSU? There were a lot, uh, man. It just, Albert Bimper is still probably my favorite all time player there I mean and I know he's now a doctor <laughs> which I'd, I'd love to see that guy again uh, he I remember we had a media day in 2005 and I was going to interview him and he turned the mic around on me which was a little awkward but uh, it was kind of fun no I mean just uh, I didn't unfortunately I was a freshman and sophomore when Van Pelt was the quarterback so that, on one hand that was unfortunate on the other hand I got to be a fan and just sit in the bleachers and watch that 2002 team which to me, that was the peak of Ram football, and unfortunately, it kind of started going downhill after that. I mean, God, that team was so fun. To, you know, Cecil just ran over people. Van Pelt, his swagger. Um, I know they lost the game. But I remember that Van Pelt game against Roethlisberger when Miami of Ohio came in. It didn't go well for CSU, but you knew you were seeing some special talent on the field. Just some incredible, great pe- good per- people, too. David Anderson uh, was it was cool to get to know him a little bit. Uh, he had just incredible swagger, and, and you always wanted to have the camera on him in the pregame because he would always say something pretty good. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I remember a lot of the losses pretty well. I I was right in that end zone in 2004 when they didn't get in against CU, and I still remember to this day just being in a complete daze on the way back and just kept saying they were at the one-yard line. They were at the one yard. Why didn't they just sneak the damn ball? <laughs> so Zach, it you know, still hurts. It still hurts. Oh, well, I mean, and I, I, you know, I'll even say that the, as much as grief as that game got, the 2005 game in Boulder was worse because I felt they actually outplayed them in that game. To me, they played better in 2005 than they did in 2004, and you still lose. It just, it always felt like it always felt like they were so close and then it just got ripped away. But, um, you know, they were terrific times. And, you know, like I said, I, I kind of feel unfortunate that as I left, it was starting to decline and you could kind of start to see signs that things were going South. But, you know, I, I, even though I'm going to love this new stadium, I've been in it a few times. I went back for a brew fest, I think two years ago before COVID hit, I still have a soft spot for Hughes. I know it's gone now. Um, the night I got, and a true story, the night I got married to my wife was the last game at Hughes, the New Mexico game. So we uh, we got, after my wedding ceremony, we went over to a little bar. Of course, you know, Mountain Time's an hour 
behind. I went to a bar. I think it was on at like nine or 10 o'clock and I got to watch a lot of that game. Uh, and it was, it was pretty cool the the way they closed it out. And I, I, you know, even though I always said, I'd love to see it, have a new stadium. It Hughes meant a lot yeah. to me and to see them close it the way they did was pretty special. And, you know, same thing with Moby arena. I still, even though I know everybody, I know we're talking mostly football, but uh, I always love going to Moby. It just, it, it's so unique and different as an arena. So many of the other ones, you go to Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, they're all just these circular little bowls. It's just got its different little nooks and crannies, the, the funny floor design. Um, I got to know the, the longtime CSU coach who, who led them in the 60s when they made the Elite Eight. Uh, you know, it, I, I had so many good experiences there, even though the basketball program was never quite as good as it is now. Uh, Jason Smith, I got to see him in, at the peak of his career. I wish we could have had him with Nico or Tim Miles, but just, I mean, it, it's, and it's so different now too, because the campus is so much better, but even then, like just some of those old, even just those older buildings, you, you kind of start to re- realize what they meant to you after they're gone. So as, as nice as it is now, I wouldn't trade, you know, everything that's new there now for what I experienced back then. Yeah. Have you ever seen, uh, have you seen that clip of boom goes the dynamite? That guy. Yeah, and that was that came out when I was in school. We 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 had a good laugh over that. I'm sure. Have you ever seen any of those kind of meltdowns in your career, or had one, you know, on camera like early <sighs> on? Well, I, it's funny. I I did not. I didn't have a really bad meltdown. I've had times where, not to get too technical, as I know people don't understand it, but like a lot of the times, the video will drop out underneath you, or you're reading over the wrong thing, and. Uh, you know, it's part of the fun of live TV is that it is you, you try to be off the cuff and genuine. I think that's one thing I've you know, we, we do script a little bit of it. But I always find that the most fun you have and the most you connect with people is when you're off the cuff. So, you know, if, if they but I, yeah, I've had a few shows where if I'm like if I'm not doing well or if I'm fumbling on a name, I'm just going to be like, well, I can't talk today. So, you know, <laughs> the best way if you're going through that is just to make fun of yourself a little bit, to be honest with you. Yeah. The people who take themselves too seriously are the ones who usually have the best blooper reels. But, uh, you know, I, I had a mentor of mine who just had his entire show. All the video was gone. And he did like a it was one of the funniest things I ever saw because he had they came back on him and they made him do another three minutes with no video. Just uh, he, he, he at one point he had a tennis highlight. and He's like, you know, there was a lot of thrilling action back and forth, back and forth. And he's. It was like the radio. It was like a radio show, but he made it entertaining. And he, he to this day, he doesn't want to watch that show because it was the most like that was the most painful experience of my life, being up there with no video. I don't want to relive it, even though it was probably one of the more entertaining things I've ever seen. So, right. yeah, but we all kind of have those moments, and, and the boom goes the dynamite one. Uh, I, I'm a little sympathetic to that guy. He was in college, right? So, you know. I, and like I said, it came out when I was at CTV and we were like, we, we discussed that at nauseum. We're like, God, who put that guy on air? <laughs> like, you know, how come they didn't just done I mean, they, they were probably recorded. How come they didn't just, oh, man. I, I wonder how much they didn't like him to put him on air like that and let him keep going. That poor kid. Uh, it was, uh, but he lives, on, he lives on in infamy, even though that there are now a hundred more ways to, to make yourself internet famous than there were back in 2005 and six. Right. Right. Well, buddy, uh, it has been really good catching up with you, and I appreciate all your insights. 
on uh, the visiting South Dakota State Jackrabbits. What um, do you have? I think looking at the there's I haven't seen an official line. Someone on Ram Nation posted the other day that they saw South Dakota State is favored by three and a half. I don't think that's right. I, I no I, I I I mean look I. No, I, I don't think there's any scenario where South Dakota State's going to be favored. I'd be shocked because usually that just doesn't – that doesn't usually happen when you have an FBS and FCS game. They're always going to kind of tend to lean toward the home team. Um, I'm also curious to see what the – I mean, are they expecting close to a full house, something like that? I mean, it's been two years, obviously, since you can get a full – get much capacity. Yeah. I, I – well, I highly doubt it'll be a sellout, but um... – you know, they should have I mean, you like to think about 20, 25,000, maybe something like that. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a Friday night. So, you know, people are, you probably don't There's have high school and yeah. So, you know, I, mean, I, bet, I, you, I bet you they'll be around 30 uh, would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't believe the, I, I don't believe South Dakota state's favored by Vegas, but I, I do think it, I think if they'd had their previous quarterback, I really would have felt, like almost, I would have almost guarantee. I think South Dakota State could have come in and won, but there's so much uncertainty with their quarterback. I, my thing is, I think this will come down to the fourth quarter. I, I do believe it's going to be a fourth quarter game. I, I, like I said, I saw a couple of posts on the message board where they're saying 42 to 10, and you know, I, I get that's how people feel, and that's kind of the stigma you attach to these FCS games. But uh, South Dakota State has more than enough to take this into the fourth quarter. And then it just comes down to who's going to, who makes more mistakes, who, who takes care of the football. Um, like I said, SDSU should have won at Minnesota two years ago, but they committed some really bad turnovers that cost them that game. And they lost 28, 21 to a, a Minnesota team that went on to win 11 games. Yeah. So if it, to me, that's, it's going to come down to what most football games do, who makes the fewest mistakes and, but I, I would be surprised if this is not a, a good game in the fourth quarter, if if one team's blowing the other out or not, because they, they really do on paper match up pretty evenly. All right, you're not getting off that easy. Give me a give me a, a score prediction. I hate to do this because it is my alma mater. I'm gonna say 2724 CS uh, SDSU. I almost said CSU, SDSU. I wow. I think the Jacks find a way. I you know, I just, I think, I hate to say, again, it, it tears me up because I still care about the alma mater, but I, I just feel like SDSU's got a lot of stuff in place. Uh, they're really, it, it'll be a disappointment this year if they're not back in the national championship game. And, you know, we, we always kind of say too that, well, these games mean nothing. You know, it, people are always like, well, the FCS team's playing with house money. These games mean a lot to these kids who are maybe just passed over by the FBS. And if you win, it could be the difference between getting a number one or a number two seed in the playoffs because the playoff selection committee often gives a little weight if you win an FBS game. So I, I just think, I think CSU will be able to run. I, I think the difference will be a quarterback. I think SDSU's quarterback, I think is a little better. I mean, we'll see. Maybe Centeno is, we didn't see much of him, but I just think, I think SDSU has the right quarterback, even though they lost a really good one to come in and, and do what they need to do to, to leave Fort Collins with a victory. But wouldn't, it certainly wouldn't shock me if it goes the other way. I, I, like I said, the only thing that would shock me is if one team blows the other out and it's garbage time in the fourth quarter. Hey, last question. This just kind of popped up, but you're familiar with the FCS playoffs and how they work and how fun they are to yep. watch for fans of those, those programs. You've seen that the, the FBS 
is talking about expanding to a 12 team playoff. Now that might be delayed because of all this shuffling going on with the sec, but um, how do you think a 12 team playoff would work at the FBS level? Well, I would want it to include somebody from the group of five. I have a feeling it won't because I I think with what we're seeing with the realignment, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that, the realignment started to peak again as there was talk of maybe letting the the group of five teams into the playoff, giving them a spot. But a playoff, this idea that you can't have more than four teams is silly. It, it would, I think, it would work very well. I think a playoff would be phenomenal. You could either host them, you could have the first couple of games on at an on-campus site, or if you want to keep your bowl structure in some setting, you know, obviously your rose, your orange, your sugar. Uh, your Fiesta Bowl are probably in your rotation as a semifinal or championship, but you can play the holiday. You could, you could say, okay, you're going to go play the holiday bowl for your first round game or the sun bowl for a second round game. Or like I said, you could do on campus sites, um, you know, to me, the playoff, it, it, it's more fun in the FCS and it, it definitely, it, it keeps uh, one of the worries I always heard about the old BCS was, well, every game matters in the regular season. You can't afford to lose or you could be out of the BCS. Well, Still, the same still holds true when you have a playoff at whether it's the FCS level or the Division II level or the Division III level. You still every game has more importance because you could also earn a what you could you could essentially earn what amounts to an at-large bid. So it the I've never understood how people can look at the FBS and say it, it would take away from the regular season. It would add to it because you give more teams an opportunity. Um, but you know, I think the unfortunate thing is for people like us who go to schools that aren't in the ACC, the SEC, the Pac-12, or, or the Big Ten, I, I still feel like we're not going to – we're going to be left at the table. Uh, you know, and I, I say this now, I mean, it wouldn't shock me in 10, 15, 20 years if what's left of the group of five is – it wouldn't shock me if those four major conferences just break off and do their own thing, and what's left basically becomes the new FCS. You could call it – could be one a one double a and one triple a in a couple in 10 15 years uh, i i wish i wish csu and i wish every football could have man could have the kind of playoffs we have uh, just because it, it just it may it makes it more fun you want to decide a champion on the field and you want to have more opportunities to get there it's a like a little mini march madness and it would be great at the fbs level and it will happen at some extent. I just think it's going to be for the big money boys. And unfortunately they're going to squeeze the little one, little guys out. Yeah. Which, which sucks because I mean, you look at what makes, what makes March madness so marketable, marketable for basketball. More people probably watch those first two days of that tournament, you know, excluding the, the first four people watch the first two rounds of March madness because they want to see the ups. They want to see who upsets. They want to see what little guy, beats a Duke or, or beats a Michigan state or who's going to be the oral, you know, we saw Oral Roberts out here. They won the summit league tournament in Sioux falls and they go to the sweet 16. That's what people tune in for. I mean, I, I, it gets to the point where I think it even overshadows the chant, the final four itself. Yeah. You had that in football. I mean, you tell me a coast, I'm not saying a coastal Carolina or a Boise or, or whoever goes out and wins the national championship. But you tell me they couldn't win a first round game or maybe even a second round game and and make it interesting. Just give them a chance. But you know, there, there's so much money wrapped up in that. Even even one share of that would 
set a conference like the Mountain West for a while. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, unfortunately we moved away from rivalries and stuff. And I kind of almost do wish it could, part of me wishes it could go back to the old bowl system because then at least it felt like you could play your way into the, the top 15, maybe play your way to the holiday bowl. Yeah. I mean, BYU won a national title in 1984. Somehow and that's never going to happen again, probably for a mid for a, a non-traditional school to go win a national title. Unless you, so, unless you declare yourself one like UCF did. Yeah. Well, maybe that's which, which you know what? Why not? Why, why not say you won the national title? I mean, I don't blame them either. The system's kind of rigged against you anyway, so you might as well claim it. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing you said. Um, you're not sure that a, a Boise State or a Coastal Carolina would win the national championship. It's probably not very realistic that they would make that run. But the fact is, you have the chance. Right. If you yeah. have access to get to the playoff, then technically you have a chance to win it. And then that's what you sell to recruits. But if you don't have that access, it's really hard to compete right. against the, the other conferences that do. And you get a significant you and your conference gets a significant share of the television revenue. I mean, that'll I mean, I remember I think when I want to say when Utah made a couple of their runs to uh, BCS bowls in the mid 2000s. A lot of that money came back to the Mountain West, and it led to improvements directly at CSU, even though we, we didn't get nearly as large of a share. I mean, the money that the conferences would make off that would could be tra- transformative, um, which is why, again, I, just, I, I don't think those big money schools are going to let the little guys in. I, I think they'll, you know, four, six, if you had four 16-team leagues, uh, that's 64 teams. So pretty easy to – kind of see where they're where they're going with that if they have a 12 team playoff and to me that'd be boring too because it'd be the same I mean, it'd be fun to an extent but it's it seems it's what what makes kind of the football playoff a little boring now is it's the same four teams over and over again there's no you know you don't see anybody else who gets a shot and it would, it would eventually turn into the same eight or ten programs every year playing for the title i mean it's, i think after time would get a little old yeah unless you actually go to those schools then you love it right and you don't care about the little guys so no you don't so well buddy this is really good really appreciate all your your commentary and your insights and um congratulations on your baby and uh i hope you have a great time as uh, you visit the old stomping grounds yeah like i said it, it's gonna be kind of it'll be fun the game itself will be a little i think it'll be a little stressful for me because obviously it's uh, one is my heart, and the other one, I mean, I, I'm supposed to be impartial, but you do root for you breaking. I, I know people say a lot of things about the media these days. Contrary to popular belief, we would rather our teams win because the story is better than a team that's losing all the time. So, you, you know, I, you, I pull for South Dakota State a little bit. I kind of have a push and pull between these two. So, I mean, I'll feel good for whoever wins, and I'll feel bad for whoever loses, but it'll be a, it'll be a lot of fun and there's just no, there's no campus like Colorado state. I hope I can send my kid there someday if he wants to um, Fort Collins. Uh, that's always going to be home to me. Uh, that, that it, it's hard to explain how special CSU is. And I miss, miss those years a lot. And I miss that time. I miss that place. And every time I go back, you, you go down that oval and it just, it all floods back to you, even no matter how much it changes. So, I mean, I'm always going to be a Ram first and, I miss that place and I cherish every time I get to go back. So this would be really cool. So go Rams. All right, buddy. Awesome stuff. Thanks, bud. Thank you.
All right. That was Zach Borg. That was great stuff. Zach, obviously still invested in CSU, cares about CSU. Now his work has taken him to South Dakota and uh, has his finger on the pulse of the Jackrabbits program. And um, pretty interesting to hear him say that there's a good chance that South Dakota is going to come in here. South Dakota State's going to come yeah. in here and win. And in fact, he pre predicts a win by the Jackrabbits. So we shall see. That would be a, a rough way to start the season. Uh, hopefully the Rams can bring their A game this Friday. We should have we had Zach talk about uh, the time just a couple years ago when ESPN College Game Day was at uh, was in Brookings for the NDSU SDSU football game, and uh, a a fat head of Zach showed up in the crowd, a big giant cardboard cutout uh, that you could see on TV. Uh, we should have had him talk about that on on the recording here. But uh, anyway, good stuff from Zach. Appreciate him joining. Thanks to Mike Rowe for being here as well. Appreciate you guys listening. We will have our final recording of the week on Thursday night as we have Joe Parker coming in to give us the state of the union for CSU athletics. So we'll talk about uh, the latest in ticket sales for, for the game and uh, see what else is new coming up. Lots, lots of stuff from him. So, all right, before you go, please stop by and check out the greatness of ginger and Baker, grab a craft cocktail or something from their award-winning wine list. Enjoy delicious apps, hand cut Colorado steaks, chops, fresh fish, the cafe has live and local music every Thursday on the patio. There's just several great options within this one building where you can enjoy all types of different food and drinks inside Ginger and Baker. They just recently began construction on the rooftop, by the way, which is now going to be closed until November. They're transforming it into a glass enclosed all season space for dining and events. So that is going to be really cool. So uh, stay tuned for that. That will be reopened sometime in November, they're expecting. So Ginger Graham has got what I think the best dining experience in all of Fort Collins. Stop by Ginger and Baker. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Game week. Here we go. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.